0: It's so unreasonably hot.
1: Welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 5, Episode 1.
0: Hooray! You've waited a long time for this.
1: It's hot. It's hot. Hopefully not so hot that Andy C I... is ill.
0: <laughs> so yes, a recap on last time. We, we meant to record this a month ago.
1: We started recording it.
0: We started recording a month ago. In fact, we got to the, th- to the third movie that we were going to talk about, and I came over quite queasy and had to go and uh, go to the loo Um, so uh, this is um, Redux recording Redux
1: you're going to get the better version I've forgotten all the films so
0: well actually should we we do a a recap of what what season 5 is all about
1: we have to explain what season 5 is all about this feels like you already know listener but you don't
0: but you don't so what's season 5 all about if you're a new listener
1: if you're a new listener welcome Welcome. Um, all the other stuff is different from this stuff because it's all new in season five.
0: Yeah, this is a whole season. We've got it planned out, uh, which is new for us. We don't usually plan things out a season in advance. Yes. Um, and this was driven by, uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about a movie called The Killing of a Sacred Deer, uh, which is a rather wonderful Horror movie by uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, who directed The Lobster, that we also talked about on this podcast. We did. And at at the end of the podcast where we talked about The Killing of a Sacred Deer, we started talking rather misty-eyed about (laughs) horror movies in general. And we enjoyed that. And we enjoyed that, and we said, well, why don't we we talk about horror movies for a while?
1: You know, specifically horror movies from... Um, well, did we we decided from the twentieth century? Is that right?
0: Yes, we set ourselves a cut off point of the year two thousand. Um, because otherwise, it becomes an unwieldy subject. Not that it isn't already a fairly unwieldy. <laughs> yeah, subject.
1: well, well, yeah. And we decided <laughs> that we would do a top ten. Is that what we decided? We started on the top ten. We decided that a top ten movie, horror movies of the twentieth century, mm-hmm. would be doable. And then we made a list of top. What, 40?
0: It uh, got to 37.
1: Yeah. Then we, um, then we decided to whittle it down by only allowing one film per director.
0: Yes. And I actually managed to sneak some more in there.
1: And then it got up to, like, 38 Thirty.
0: Yeah, so it's, uh, it's been trimmed down to 30.
1: Yeah, so we've basically we've, we've drawn the line at 30, listen. You're not going to be subjected to more than that. No. We're going to do three per episode in the early part, and then the uh, later films will get more attention
0: yes yeah so the last three films or maybe that will change as we go along but at the moment the final three films will get a podcast of their own
1: yeah so every single one of these 30 is like horror gold so get ready we're not going to tell you what's coming up
0: strap yourselves in
1: but strap yourself in for season 5 where you're going to find out um, or reminisce about the greatest horror films of the 20th century. I feel mm-hmm. like some music should kick in.
0: <laughs> well, maybe it should. Maybe I'll edit but, some music um, in here. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> How's that?
1: Yeah, I mean, not copyrighted music.
0: M- well, I mean, that was, pro- that was probably copyrighted. Yeah. But as I did it with my mouth, I think we can get away with oh, it. Yeah, your
1: expression of an idea is not subject yeah. to copyright. It's okay.
0: Although people just singing Happy Birthday in a movie... Incurs a license for the song "Happy Birthday." Mm-hmm. So,
1: well, it's um, it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? That someone's listening to your podcast, so they sue you.
0: Yes, yeah, I suppose so. I
1: mean, it's not it's not that nice a problem to have.
0: <laughs> so, um, let's just briefly talk about briefly talk about my selection process. Well, actually, our selection process, because some of these things were suggested by listeners. Yes. Um, Some are suggested by your good self and by our friend Pete, Mm -hmm. who suggested a couple. Um, Obviously, the 20th century is a a long period of time. There's been a lot of horror movies. has to be said, most of them in the latter half of the 20th century, although not all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was looking at... What I was looking at was films that you know, changed the landscape of cinema, changed the mm. landscape of horror, mm. um, made a big difference to the way that people made films or the way that people talked about films, went to see films. Um, and some are by, you know, directors on their first outing or very early in their career. And some are sort of mid-period stuff. Um, and there's also a couple of things that are probably atypical, of of a director's output, mm-hmm. but have been included because they are iconic.
1: I think we'll probably see quite a high hit rate of um, films that change the the artistic world, um, the 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 and the world of of movies wider than horror than you will yeah. in other genres. Maybe I think horror quite often can lead in some of this stuff. Not always.
0: I think it does. Yeah, I think that. Uh, because you can make a variety of different types of movie as a horror movie. And in, in the list we have sci-fi horror. We have comedy horror. We have the zombie genre. We have the werewolf genre. Um, we have the sort of body horror. Um, and we also have psychological horror movies. Um, and... Some, a bit of, a uh, bit of gory stuff as well.
1: Don't give too much away.
0: No, 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 I'm not. No, I think we should crack on actually.
1: Yeah, so the only other thing to say is listen, we want to hear from you. Uh, we yes. want to hear from you what should be in the top 30, what's in particular, what should be number one. Mm. Um, we'd like to hear from you where we've got it right, where we've got it wrong. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know,
0: please flame us and, and we'll tell you why you're wrong
1: you should definitely toot at me on mastodon.social
0: <laughs> and you could tweet me uh, can people find my twitter on um, on the good robot andy it's andy's all on social, the or? about page let me just okay, so check whether
1: yeah. my mastodon is on the about page I may not have added it you can okay. otherwise you can tweet me if you must
0: mm-hmm. you can also tweet the good robot andy's you can tweet as the as
1: well. good robot andy's they should have a mastodon account maybe I'll make them one
0: oh no, that'd be good yeah
1: yeah, you uh, can't actually. I'll, I will add. I'll add my mastodon, and I'll okay. try and make a good robot Andy's mastodon if I get round to it.
0: Woohoo! On that, on that. Actually, not on that subject. On a completely different subject. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the other day that the good robot Andy's logo, which you designed, mm-hmm. would make a very nice T-shirt.
1: It would, and we'd sell hundreds of them if we made one.
0: Yeah, well, we'd sell at least one. I'd buy one.
1: <laughs> well, no. I, I have a, a spreadsheet page with some random geeky things on. Okay. So remind me, and I'll stick. I'll stick them on there, and then you can get one from there. I've put things on there with like zero. You can say how much profit you want to make on Spreadshirt. Okay. So I always set that to zero, so that basically Spreadshirt makes all the profit.
0: <laughs> fine. Because that yeah. makes it as, 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 as cheap as, as possible. As long as I can buy a T-shirt. Yeah, they're
1: surprisingly expensive.
0: Me. Good. Good quality. Um, the one one
1: that I got from there was decent quality.
0: Okay. Yeah. Right, let's crack on.
1: Let's crack on, yeah. T shirt quality. Let's crack that on. was
0: yeah. relevant. I'm, I'm now moving away from T shirts into <laughs> number 30 on the list. Should we do some music? <laughs>
1: number 30.
0: Number 30 is uh, a movie called Gremlins. 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 It came out in the 1980s, mm-hmm. uh, specifically 1984. It was directed by Joe Dante. It was a very special Warner time Brothers. in the world. Well, yes. Yes. I, I, uh, the, the 1980s was when I started to go to the cinema on my own mm-hmm. to see things. So um, it's, it was a formative period for me mm-hmm. of, of film. Um, happily coincided with some of the best movies ever released, I think, during the 80s and sort of late 70s as well. But some really great stuff. But anyway... It's an American comedy horror film, so we're already into the realms of comedy horror at number thirty. Straight away, straight away with a bullet.
1: Genre, it's smashing. a hard genre
0: to get right, but there are at, at least two more in the list oh. of comedy horror oh, films. All these hints, what, what they are, um, but at least two more, possibly more. Listener, um, it's like a, it's like a complex. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a horror movie plot that you can piece together what's in the top 30.
0: Yes, you can You can try and think, well, I wonder if it's that. I wonder if he's chosen that film or that one. Um, uh, so Gremlins is about a young man who receives a strange creature called a Mogwai as a pet, which then spawns other creatures who transform into small, destructive, evil monsters. And the story was continued with a sequel called Gremlins 2 The New Batch, which was released in 1990, which is a long time. That's a six-year gap. Um, so unlike the lighter sequel, Gremlins opts for a more black comedy balanced against a Christmas time setting. And both films were the centre of large merchandising campaigns. Yes, yeah, they were.
1: So the, so, the 80s yeah. was a, quite a um, consumerist time.
0: Oh very much so, yes.
1: Gremlins reminds me of that like it's does it have something to say about consumerism?
0: It very much does, yes. Like be careful
1: yeah. it might um eat it, gr-
0: you. it might multiply and destroy your town. Right. <laughs> so, which is what happens in the film. So this Mogwai creature is very cute. It's uh, animatronic. It, it makes a whist- nice whistling tune. It's quite a happy little creature. It's a bit like a little toddler, I suppose. It's like a Furby. Well, they got sued, the makers of the Furby. Right. Because the Furby was basically a Mogwai. Yeah. <laughs> so Warner Brothers sued them and won a lot of money. Really? Mm. Dude, what a crazy yeah. world we live in. Well, yeah. I mean, it was blatantly a ripoff. off well, It's just like so. a f- fluffy toy. Yeah. Yeah. But you're infringing someone's copyright
1: intellectual property. IP. Yeah. Um, so this abolish cute little it? creature. While we're here, just yes. we're partway through the top 30 horror films of the 20th century, can we also just abolish yes. copyright?
0: Yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Consider that. Um, so this creature comes with stipulations. And those stipulations are that you must not feed it after midnight. You must not expose it to sunlight and you must never ever get it wet. And of course, at least two of those things happen very quickly. Mm-hmm. So um Mogwai has a snack after midnight and also gets some water dropped on him. It, maybe. Huh. And then um these little what look little pods. It looks like it's in great pain, actually, it's sort of thrashing around. These little pods pop off its body and they grow into little eggs. And then out of these little eggs grow these hideous looking creatures called gremlins. Um and they proceed to uh tear the town to pieces.
1: They slightly remind me of the alien out of alien.
0: Yeah, they're a little bit like that. They they're also animatronic or maybe sort of puppet puppetry going on there. Mm-hmm. Um and they, uh, they have a. They try and mimic human speech, which is quite creepy. <laughs> um, saying things like "yum, yum," <laughs> stuff like that, which is very amusing. And um, they, uh, yeah. So they proceed to uh, basically destroy the town, and um, are only saved by. Uh, Billy, who's the main protagonist of the film, destroying them with sunlight because sunlight kills them. Uh, and uh, Joe Dante, who is a, um, you know, sort of has has been working in the horror genre for quite a long time.
1: Is that the director?
0: Yeah, uh, he uh, he brings a great deal of glee to this film. <laughs> there is you know, glee,
1: definitely. I remember the glee.
0: It's gleefully destroying small town america uh, there's a scene where uh, an old lady who has a chair lift a stair rather she um goes to answer the door to what she thinks are carol singers and there's a bunch of gremlins outside all going la 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 la, la, la like that and she uh is like terrified and they run inside and um destroy her Stairlift, so that she flies out of the roof on it. It goes up the stairs really fast, Uh and it's quite—you know—it's quite dark and disturbing. Uh, They also invade the local bar where they demand loads of alcohol, and one of them does a flasher thing, and you see its little gremlin bits, and it's funny and really messed up. Um, And uh, there's also also a fantastic scene. You've got that a bit. Yeah. There's a fantastic scene in Billy's house where he takes on two or three of them at the same time. Actually, his mum is there as well, and she's losing her cookies about these things that have invaded their house. Mm-hmm. So he takes one out with a cricket bat, which is amusing. And, and you know what's the American doing with a cricket bat anyway? But anyway, that is weird. I think a cricket bat is actually a good weapon for taking out gremlins. Yeah, better probably than a better baseball. than a baseball yeah. bat.
1: Slightly more um, heft. I think you need that much.
0: You need a bit of heft.
1: And you need a bit of width.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, He then stuffs one in the microwave and turns it on whilst it's tapping on the glass and then it explodes inside, which is very amusing. Who hasn't wanted to do
1: that with their little sister? Uh,
0: uh, Everyone, I hope, has never wanted to do that. (laughs) Um, And that's basically the tone. It's, um, It's... it's kind of anarchic. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, it certainly appeals to fans of... Uh, the BBC's show The Young Ones mm-hmm. in terms of its anarchic violence mm-hmm. and penchant for things blowing up and things exploding and general just nastiness. But nastiness with a, with a sense of humour. Right. There's definitely a wink at the audience. Although all of the actors are keeping it straight... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no winking at the camera. It it is very much played for laughs, you know, it's um it's light.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's light stuff.
1: So, we got we got 3 uh three films to get through tonight. So, Sorry, crack uh, on? Each film I need to ask you one question. Yes. The question is, what did this how, how did this change the world this film? Okay. So,
0: it it changed the world because uh, you could see that there's a marketplace for horror that isn't necessarily solely for adults. Although it, I think it, when it came out, it was probably a fifteen or a double A. I think I think the double yeah, probably a double A certificate. That's a type of battery. <laughs> well, it is now, or it was then, but at <laughs> see? the time. For the BBFC at the time, a double A meant that people under, I think, 14 couldn't see it. So, um. Well. Wow. It was given a fairly high certificate. I, I will check that if It's a bit. It's a bit. Uh,
1: gory and, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's. You it's wouldn't, a bit adult.
0: I, it's not a PG. No. And because the 12 certificate didn't exist then, that's the only one you can give it. Really. I
1: guess, yeah, they would have. They would have been going, if they made it now, they'd be going for a 12, and they'd probably have brought it down slightly to get that.
0: Yeah, I think so. You'd have less, um, you wouldn't have a, I don't think they would allow the shot of the thing in the the microwave anymore. Right. In case people get ideas.
1: About their little sister.
0: Yeah, or their hamster, or something.
1: Cool. So, just for the record, I, I definitely wouldn't put Gremlins in the top 30. Okay. It's fine. It's it's mildly amusing, but it's frivolous.
0: Okay, Turkey. <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> it's a good thing it's your top thirty.
0: Yeah, it is, isn't it? Uh, mm. Shall we move on to the next yeah. one? <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay,
0: this is one you haven't seen. Yeah. Um, this so is. So I can't criticize 20- and spoil it. <laughs> it's at number twenty-nine.
1: Number twenty-nine.
0: Number twenty-nine, and it's a movie called Near Dark. Uh-huh. Another another eighties movie, nineteen eighty seven. Uh-huh. It's an American western western horror film directed by Catherine Bigelow, of um, of Point Break, and and the Hurt Locker, the
1: Hurt Locker, which is the one I've seen. Yeah, yes. Uh, so, so um, I tell you a thing about the Hurt Locker. Yes, I really liked it, except it was ruined in the first five seconds by. Because it opens with a quote, which basically tells you what you're supposed to think. Oh. And worse than that, so that's bad enough. Like, there's there's some writing on the screen. And then most of the writing fades away and just leaves the words, war is a drug. Just to smash you in the face with what you're supposed to think about the film before you've seen any of it.
0: (laughs) So you're saying it's a little bit unsubtle.
1: Yeah, which, other than that, I thought it was great. And that... Ruined it immediately. Hmm. Okay. Or at least seriously took the edge off it.
0: All right. I I thought the Hurt Locker was okay. I don't think it's as half as good as Point Break, which I think is almost flawless as an action movie about surfers who rob banks.
1: Right. Is that the original Point Break or the new Point Break?
0: It. Sorry, did they remake Point Break? Didn't they? Yeah, they did. I'm just being. Oh, <laughs> you're talking about the original. That remake does not exist in this dojo.
1: So Catherine Bigelow <laughs> made the original, <laughs> did she? She did. Oh, I had no idea that was her as well.
0: Yeah. I think I've seen so, it, but
1: I don't really remember it.
0: It's amazing, Point Break. Just amazing. Uh, it features a, an iconic performance from Keanu Nunu Reeves. No way! No, yes way! <laughs> and also, an equally iconic, if not more so, performance from Patrick Swayze. All right. who is really, really good in it. Really good. You know, if, if listener thinks that the only thing that Patrick Swayze ever did was Dirty Dancing, think again, because he is quite something in Point Break. In fact, I might even have a little man crush on him. <laughs> Possibly. Just a little one. Um, so, anyway, back to Near Dark. Uh, it's an American Western horror film directed by Catherine Bigelow, mm-hmm. written by herself and Eric Red. Uh And trivia fans, Eric Red was one of the... He provided a screenplay for the movie Alien 3. Because mm-hmm. Alien 3 went through many, many screenplays before they finally settled on mm-hmm. the one they made, which is was basically his, a film they shouldn't have made in the first place.
1: Was his stuff parts of did did think he wrote end up being part of the the final I don't thing? remember
0: any of what he wrote getting into the final movie Okay was it better Uh, but, uh it was of interest but no not really Have you ever read the books
1: <coughs> of the alien films Pardon have you ever read the books of the alien films
0: Yeah I read I read the book of Alien 3
1: Right it's surprisingly good
0: yeah, Alan Dean Foster wrote all of those novelizations and he's a really good writer.
1: Yeah, and I actually I can't remember other stuff he's written. I thought I think I've read some other stuff and I thought it was okay, but I actually yeah. thought the alien books were really good.
0: Yeah, they are good. Um, yeah. So he, probably he brings he brings life him. to it, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. I mean he and he found, he found something in the f- film to turn into a book like thing, you know, you couldn't um, you can't just write down what happened on the screen and it becomes a book.
0: No, because that would be just saying saying to an AI transcribe this movie into a book. Yeah. It um, yeah he brings something to it. He fleshes out the characters.
1: Yeah, and he does a lot of stuff uh, with the dream because they they arrive having been asleep for a very long time. Yes. So he brings that kind of sleep into. Mm. It's really yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah. So numerous people wrote. Screenplays for Alien Three, so the, Eric Reb was one of them. Mm-hmm. Alan, um, not Andy Foster. William Gibson wrote a screenplay. Right. David David Toohey. Is that surprising that William Gibson wrote it? It's somewhat surprising. I mean, his his one is actually quite pedestrian. Right. Um, I think the most interesting one is David Toohey's screenplay. Okay. Which is set aboard a prison satellite, so you've got some of the elements of the. Screenplay that was finally written for Alien Three. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the only difference being that Ripley has to go outside the satellite at the end to to fight the alien, which is you know a slight departure. But there's the company are doing experiments on prisoners. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a good screenplay. I think that it would probably have made a better movie, but they decided to get, to go with what they went with. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, I'm getting massively sidetracked. <laughs> so, Near Dark. Follows a young man in a small Midwestern town mm-hmm. who becomes involved with a family of nomadic American vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, it starred the little-known actors Adrian Pasdar and Jenny Wright. I think now Adrian Pasdar. I'm just going to look him up. Yeah, he was in Heroes. Do you remember Heroes? Oh,
1: okay, I do remember Heroes. Who was? Yeah, in he
0: heroes? was. I'm um, just looking. Nathan Petrelli.
1: Oh, the name! So he was really, really a politician
0: well. who was also ah, a superhero. He right. had superpowers. Yeah, he's got a good jawline. Mm-hmm. Um, and the film was part of a revival of serious vampire movies in the late nineteen eighties.
1: So, where does that sit compared with, like, Interview with the Vampire and other serious? Uh, is that a serious vampire? Uh,
0: well, yeah, that's that's a vampire movie. I I was Luke. I am lukewarm on Interview with the Vampire. I think there is some yeah, good stuff in it. Yeah, I think Tom Cruise is appalling in it. No, he's, he's, misca- right. he's really miscast. Um, it's so long, it's so long. I like Brad Pitt in it. I think he's good. Well, who doesn't like Brad Pitt in everything? Mm, yeah, I think yeah he's yeah he's usually good value, isn't he? Name something he's bad in. Uh, seven. Well, I hate seven. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I is don't like him. I guess he's—he's
0: he's I mean, not great. There's not much I mean, to do
1: in Seven, right for him.
0: Um, he's in most most scenes, but yeah, he's—he's he's not great in he Seven. just Potter's about. <laughs> he's good in Fight Club. I like him in Fight Club. He's
1: very good in Fight Club. Um, I'm trying to think that what was the um, um, the gangster sequel. Gangster sequel. Like British British gangsters.
0: Oh, Snatch.
1: Yeah, Snatch. And Snatch is um. People don't like Snatch. I thought it was okay, but he
0: is, is good. Fantastic in Snatch. Yeah, I've heard he's very good. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked again. I like him in everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so despite poor performing poorly at the box office, uh, reviews were very positive, mm-hmm. and over the years, it's it's had a you know it's, it managed to gather a cult following. Mm-hmm. Um. What's interesting about it is is that Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron were married at the time. Uh-huh. If not married, then definitely living together. So the film uses a lot of the actors who appear in his movies as supporting characters. So in this one, we have Lance Henriksen, who was in the Terminator and Aliens. Right. Who's Who's that? Uh, in the Aliens, he was Bishop. Right, right, right. The android, and in Terminator, he plays a cop. Right. Um, and also the the great, the late great Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton, yeah.
1: Bill Paxton, Esquire. No, but
0: yes, but not Ted Theodore Logan. No. <laughs> <laughs> and also Jeanette Goldstein, who was in Aliens as Vasquez. Oh,
1: Vasquez. Yeah. Oh, what a great film. Hey,
0: Vasquez, has everyone ever, has anyone ever mistaken you for a man? <laughs> no. Do you ever get mistaken? No. How has the line going? Oh, you've messed it up. Have you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? That's it. You got there in the end. I got there in the end. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so that they are supporting characters and um, they bring you know a sense of of um, weight and you know having people having worked together before, you know, right. they seem sort of and they are the vampires of the um, of the piece.
1: Okay. This is near dark.
0: Yes, they move from town to town. Uh, actually, they try to keep a low profile as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Because you so know, vampires for all of their sort of nighttime power, they're surprisingly um, brittle during the day. So,
1: so they're not like terrorizing the
0: No, they're just trying so to So they eke they out take an living. occasional sort of itinerant drifter victim. Uh-huh. But for the most part they keep themselves to themselves but mm-hmm. that changes when they encounter this young man who uh, takes an interest in them. Mm-hmm. Um and uh one of their one of their members a young young vampire called May who may actually not be that young. She bites him um at night and as the sun rises it causes his flesh to smoke and burn. And, uh, you know, he sort of runs away and seeks cover to go and join them and try and find out what's going on. So how is this not happening all the time? Um, Well, I think that him being bitten is not something that happens very often, or indeed at all. So
1: what do they normally do?
0: They normally find people who are drifters and, you know, people who won't be missed. And then kill them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a vampire movie, you know, it's... um, but he is definitely not a drifter. I wasn't, and, like, uh,
1: taking offence to them killing people.
0: No, okay, because it's a vampire <laughs> movie. And this is a podcast about horror movies. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, he, he sort of uh, meets them and is forced to sort of join up with them. And he then realises that um, Bill Paxton, who is the most nutty and psychotic of them is quite dangerous
1: mm-hmm.
0: and there's a scene in a bar that is reminiscent of, of the scene in the bar in Terminator 2 that also features the same actor who gets who, who Arnie asks for his clothes, his boots and his motorcycle it's the same actor who gets um, <laughs> tossed around in this bar by Bill Paxton's vampire.
1: Nothing clean, right?
0: Only in a much more graphic way than in T Two. Uh-huh. Um, and Near Dark is—it's um, really good. It's you know it, it's a—it's definitely a gothic noir set set in the west of the United States. It's got a gritty, downbeat tone. Um, it's quite low budget, and and sometimes you see the low budget aspect of it. But Catherine Bigelow keeps the energy up, and that's really important.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and that's what keeps it going. Really, is the en- the the sort of performances and the the energy of the filmmaking, you know, the way the camera moves, and the way it takes in the scenery. Um, it's quite bleak, quite bleak out there, and um, it is. Uh, A film that wasn't, was probably not seen by enough people. So it had a budget of.
1: Have you seen it? No, and it feels like I ought to have seen it and not bothered sitting through the whole of Interview with the Vampire.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think you would get a lot more out of this than you got out of Interview with the Vampire, for sure. So it had a budget of 5 million, which at the time was probably, I suppose, a fair amount. Um, But only took 3.4, so it didn't do well at all. Mm. Probably because it's. Um, it was um, distributed by the De, Laurenti- De, De Laurentiis group
1: they sound Ooh, like uh, a shadowy global organisation
0: yeah they're not though <laughs> they, they actually hold the rights to um, uh, some of Thomas Thomas Harris's books so the Red Dragon and Science right. of the Lambs right. stuff so they hold the rights to that um, but the music interestingly is by Tangerine Dream
1: who did the music for the film that you Sorcerer. About. Sorcerer, Yeah.
0: Sorcerer. Sorcerer, yeah, uh, which is amazing. Um, so, the, yeah, the music's great. Uh, it's really well made. Catherine Bigelow, um, I suppose she was on the up then, you know. She was sort of on the up in terms of um, filmmaking and budgets. I think the next thing she would make after that would be Point Break. I need to check that. Mm-hmm. Um, is this the
1: only film of hers that would qualify to be in the top 30? Uh,
0: yes, it's the only film of hers that is a, a horror movie.
1: So we're not excluding any of her other work?
0: No. No. So this, this is an example of, I think this is an example of, uh, as, as will be the case with a couple of other filmmakers, um, it's, it's atypical for this filmmaker to make a film like this. Mm.
1: Some of the best horror films are... Well, some of the best horror films are made by people who only make horror films. Yes. But some of the best horror films are made by people who do it once.
0: Yeah, and there are there are a couple more examples of that. Um, All these clues. In, uh, no clues? <laughs>
1: no, no, you're no allowed clues. clues. It's, I, I want the listeners
0: to piece it together. I, so you want some clues? Yeah. There are a couple of examples of that Mm -hmm. Uh, One of them was remade during the 90s I think
1: Oh that's too much that's too easy Okay, I I know that one
0: The other one was heavily criticised by its author um, even though it's one of the greatest horror movies ever made
1: Okay I think I know what that one is as well but these are good clues I like this
0: Okay, that's that's all I'm going to say about those, really. <laughs> but they are both massively influential. Uh-huh. Okay, massively. so
1: about Near Dark, the okay. question again, um, how did this change the world? Uh, why is it in the list? That kind of thing.
0: Okay, why is it in the list? Um, it's in the list because it is very influential on uh, things like Alan Ball's... Uh, was it Alan Ball? Yeah, Alan Ball's show... Um, oh, I forget what it was called. There was a movie... Uh, sorry, not a movie. A TV show set in the deep south of America all about vampires. Was it something about blood? Or Oh, True Blood. True Blood, yeah. Yeah, it's massively influential on that. It's hugely influential on...
1: That seemed really good, True Blood, but it was too racy
0: for me. <laughs> it was certainly racy. I think that the first... Probably three or four seasons were really good, right, and then it jumped the shot massively, really, yeah, really badly okay.
1: um
0: i did i did i watched i watched it to the bitter end, but I kind of wished I hadn't <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd stopped um uh so yes uh, true blood uh, sorry not true blood near dark is is hugely influential on things like true blood mm mm-hmm. um on horror movies that have an ensemble cast rather than right. a big star. You know, there are no mm-hmm. big stars in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no there's no Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise in this. It's mm-hmm. very much an ensemble cast of mid range character actors and that, that's a big deal on um yeah. on other movies. It showed what you could do with a with a moderate budget. And although that kind of thing had been done before, um Catherine Bigelow Brought energy to it, and um, it has a tone that is, I'd say, almost relentlessly downbeat. Oh, it sounds exactly my kind of thing. Like, um, as soon as the the bite happens near the beginning of the movie, you know that it's not going to end well.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this this whole idea of how vampires are noble, like, yeah. tragic,
0: N- noble, and in this movie they are most definitely not noble they're kind of animals
1: yeah and they're like yeah this they're like vermin they,
0: they are like vermin yeah uh, they're filthy vermin they're, they're very much more like the way that Dracula is depicted in Bram Stoker's novel right 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 um which again is nothing like the depiction the way he was depicted in James Whale no not James Whale um Oh no! I forget the director's name, Uh, who made the 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 Hollywood Dracula with Bela Lugosi, right? Which is about as far and away from Dracula, the character of Dracula in the novel that you can get. Yeah,
1: I've read. Have I read all of the novel or some of the novel? Yeah, it is much more um, sordid and.
0: Oh, he definitely he's he's an animal. You know, Mm. he's a he's a a feral creature. Mm. Yeah. Um, And. Uh, yeah, so so the vampires in this are very much depicted in that way, mm-hmm. and that was a big departure. So, um, yeah, sounds yeah, good. It's, it's very good. Yeah, it's very very good indeed. And it's there partly because it deserves to be seen by more people, but also because it's really it's a really good horror movie mm-hmm. of the twentieth century. Cool. So that, I that move was on? number twenty nine. What is number,
1: number twenty eight? Eight
0: is a movie called Altered States. Altered States. Altered States. don't think I've seen it. Okay, a 1980 science fiction horror film, so we're into a different genre of horror now. I
1: wouldn't have guessed it was a horror film from its name.
0: Okay. Um, It's uh, directed by Ken Russell, who's a British filmmaker.
1: Not famous Um, for horror films.
0: Not really, no. Although he has made... He's definitely. He made a movie called "The Lair of the White Worm."
1: Oh, I've seen. Have that. you seen that? It's awful.
0: Yeah, it's not good, is it? It's not good.
1: <laughs> I didn't realise that was him.
0: It has its moments, <coughs> but it's Doesn't not. Does it have? Good. Um, what's his name in it? Not what's his name? Do you mean? Um, Peter Capaldi's in it, I think, and Hugh Grant. Very, Hugh Grant, very young, yeah. very Hugh very Grant. young, and Amanda Donohoe. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it once. I thought that it was passable, The Lair of the White Worm. Um, I think Russell is probably best known uh, for a couple of other things. One of them was the movie adaptation of The Who's rock opera Tommy, Mm -hmm. which is a bit of an acquired taste. (laughs) Uh, his, His most famous and infamous movie is probably The Devils.
1: Yeah, which I don't think I've seen. but
0: Which is... And an incredible piece of work I think it's um, I didn't include it, include it on this list because it's technically not really a horror movie mm-hmm. um, but it is it's a piece of social commentary mm-hmm. about uh, you know the, the state trying to exercise absolute power mm-hmm. and people pushing back against that and then what happens to those people when they push back against it um, it's loosely based on an account of. I'm, I'm just digressing a little bit here because I think maybe maybe I should talk about the devils in a future podcast. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, you should, I should watch. It, it's you. loosely based on a on account of a a convent in Renaissance France, uh, and all of the uh, all of the nuns therein being allegedly possessed by demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then someone being sent to investigate it. And that someone is played by Oliver Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an astonishing film. It really is um, an example of... You know, I'd put it in the in the same kind of ballpark as things like Raging Bull or Goodfellas or...
1: Right,
0: right. Uh, and not in terms of subject matter, but just in yeah. terms of everybody involved being absolutely on their game. Right. Um, yeah, The Devils is incredible. If you haven't seen it, and you haven't. I haven't. You should seek it out. It's uh, it's a film that... I can't remember which studio it was with. It might have been Warner Brothers. That When they took delivery of it, they they were so appalled by it that they tried to bury it. <laughs> um, they I think...
1: I, th- I was thinking, have I got the DVD in somewhere and not watched it? Something? I think what I've done is I've put it on my wish list, mm-hmm. but I haven't got it. I okay. think that's what I've done. Yeah. On so your the recommendation... You want,
0: the version you want is the BFI version. Okay. Because that's the only one that's got restored footage in. Okay. But, um, yeah, so Warner Brothers tried to bury the film. They cut loads of footage from it. They destroyed loads of footage. Uh, they tried to mess mess Russell around, basically, massively. Uh, it eventually got released in a very cut-down version. And the the BFI version that was released a few years ago on DVD... Is the only one that is as true to what he wanted to do, even though it's not complete. Right, Um, but it is an. I watched it when I was a teenager, probably. I didn't fully understand what was going on in it. Mm -hmm. I found it to be quite lurid and shocking.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But I watched it probably about ten years ago, and I was just blown away by it.
1: Right, you got it.
0: Yeah, I got it as as an adult. I got it, absolutely got it. Mm. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Anyway, on to altered (laughs) states. Um, So the film is uh, is adapted from uh, uh, Paddy Chayevsky's novel. It was Mm -hmm. his only novel, and it was his final screenplay. And they're both based on John C. Lilly's sensory deprivation research conducted in isolation tanks under the influence of psychoactive drugs like mescaline, ketamine, and LSD. So these... Mm -hmm. The novel and the film are based on real events that happened okay. where somebody took drugs and then cut themselves off from the real world to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. Sounds <laughs> like a good idea. It sounds like a fantastic idea, yeah. Uh, so it marked the film debut of William Hurt, who is a fantastic actor. What's he of? of? Uh, he's been in loads of stuff, William Hurt. Um, I'm not really sure if he's been in anything that you might have seen. (laughs) Hang on, hang on. Uh, no. I'm trying to think if he's done anything by David Cronenberg, and I'm not sure that he has. Yeah, he's been in, he was, he hasn't really done much lately, but he was very big in the 80s. Yeah, I really
1: strongly know the name, I'm sure I've seen stuff.
0: Yeah, he's a fantastic American actor. Mm -hmm. Um... Uh, so, yes, the debut of William Hurt and Drew Barrymore. Ah. Uh, when she was tiny, presumably, because she's pretty young in E.T., but this was made in 1980. Right. Um, so uh, this became infamous, I suppose, for its uh, depictions of people undergoing these experiments and what happens to them when these... Um, Experiments happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually watching it is kind of a hallucinatory experience. Right. Along with it being creepy and messed up. Mm-hmm. And um, so what happens is he decides to, William Hurt's character decides to, he's studying schizophrenia. He begins to think that uh, other states of consciousness are as real as our waking state of consciousness, mm-hmm. and he decides to try and experiment with that by using sensory deprivation, and a flotation tank, mm-hmm. and and some drugs. And uh, he meets some other like-minded people who decide to help him out with this. One of whom becomes his on-screen wife, not his actual wife. Mm-hmm. Um. So he uh, he decides to experiment on himself and what happens is he starts to regress in evolutionary terms okay so he first becomes like an ape-like creature and, and you can runs see, around
1: you can see run, this like
0: yeah you see everything it changes, yeah, yeah changes yeah. okay uh, and then um kind of almost regresses into a kind of protozoic blob type thing okay um and it's uh, <laughs> it's really nuts Mm-hmm. Doesn't it's sound like really, horror. Uh, no, it, it has horrific, uh, definitely has horrific elements. So, mm-hmm. you know, science fiction horror. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think what makes it interesting is um, Ken Russell's uh, again, you know, sort of bringing his. There's also Russell's filmmaking is almost hysterical in the mm-hmm. way that he does stuff, and he brings that here again to great effect. Um, I think I, this is another one I've only seen once mm-hmm. uh, quite a long time ago, but really, really enjoyed it. Thought that it was you know, visually arresting and scary and thought-provoking, um, because even though the stuff that happens in it is kind of way out there and pretty crazy, mm-hmm. you buy into it because the actors are, again, not winking at the camera. Right. They're all uh, the, the performances are already good. Mm-hmm. And solid, right. Um, so uh, it is crazy and a bit horrific, and uh, has a lot of a lot of science fiction to it. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of fun. I think um, you know Russell was you know along with being a fantastic filmmaker, he had an impish sense of humour about him, right. and that definitely comes through in his movies. So, I don't know whether uh,
1: I've seen any of his films. What would I have seen if I'd seen one?
0: Uh shall I have a look at his filmography? Do it. I shall reel some off for you. I'll also have a look at William Hurt's filmography as well. Uh, oh, internets are slow. Here we go. He did a lot of work with the BBC. I'm just looking at his film Let's See if there's a proper list. Uh, no, it's sort of list by decade. So, 70s... Oh, he made Women in Love, which is D.H. Lawrence adaptation.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've seen that.
0: Okay. Um, uh, the Devils, which I already talked about.
1: Yeah, which I definitely
0: should see. Oh, actually, inspired by Aldous Huxley's, Huxley's book, The Devils of Ludal.
1: That's interesting. I was thinking of Aldous Huxley because... Of course, of the Doors of Perception okay, yeah. um, being related to altered states.
0: Hmm. British that, film yeah. critic Alexander Walker described the Devils as monstrously indecent in a television confrontation with Russell, awesome. leading the director to hit him with a rolled-up copy of the Evening Standard. <laughs> <laughs> That's wow. amazing. I'm sorry. Uh, I he then it. followed he followed that up with a period musical The Boyfriend with Twiggy. Uh, what's next after that? I'm just not
1: gonna have seen any of them. They're too highbrow.
0: Tommy Uh which is which I thought was okay. Um Listomania, which is supposed to be nuts, which is all about Franz Liszt. <laughs> uh and then in the 80s, Altered States. Um, looking through. Oh, Gothic, which is a about Mary Shelley and the Tale of Frankenstein. All right. The Lair of the White Worm that we've already talked about.
1: Oh, which I've seen of course. Yes.
0: <laughs> It was Salome's. Awful. Have you Salome's read the book? last dance. Yeah, it's not good.
1: The book is
0: terrible. Is the book terrible? I've not read it. Yeah. Um, and then the Rainbow, another D.H. Lawrence adaptation. That's about it, really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry,
1: yeah. I led us down this path.
0: Okay. <laughs> so that I mean that I think for the '70s, there's some. Absolute classics. Mm-hmm. I think that probably was starting to peter out towards the eighties. So I think, I think maybe Altered States was his probably his biggest movie then.
1: Right.
0: Um. But he remains a he remains a director who wasn't afraid to push buttons. Mm-hmm. He wasn't afraid to just take it that little bit further. Mm-hmm. Because he didn't really care that much. Mm-hmm. You know some. He was definitely a director who saw the art as the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And um, whether it offends people or not, he wasn't really... I I don't think he set out to offend people with it. It, The story was the story. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how it works.
1: So how did this film change the world or the film world? Okay.
0: How did it change the world? I think that it, it showed that you could have a horror movie... That had sort of science fiction elements to it and uh, also have a kind of playful sense of humour about it. Right. So that that's really why it's on the list. And because it's Ken Russell. Mm-hmm. And Ken Russell is a legend. Right. And at times was a genius. Right. At times. But certainly his output is variable. But you put but Alter again, States up there. Alter States is definitely up there. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's in the top 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah it's good stuff
1: well I I I think I'm more convinced that I should watch near dark
0: yeah you definitely should yeah I mean I hope that listener and yourself will eventually get around to watch all 30 of these at some point they're all worth it presumably
1: we'll be approached to endorse some kind of um, DVD box set (laughs) do they even have DVDs now do we what what do they even have DVDs now
0: yes yes they do Okay, yeah, they still make them
1: okay, well, yeah, maybe some kind of e box set yeah if um if you're listening and you want to do that, uh we're definitely up for it
0: definitely, yeah, a box set endorsed by the good robot Andes
1: we might get lucky, and uh our one listener might be someone who makes promotes uh, manufactures and ships d v. d box sets,
0: yes. It could yes happen. maybe they do yeah uh, I just noticed an error on my list oh dear yeah that I need to, I need to put right
1: okay well so long as so it doesn't cl- affect this episode we're okay
0: it doesn't affect this episode but I've noticed that I've included two films by the same director which is against the oh, rules oh dear oh dear listen and one needs to go so it uh, means that means a film can sneak in
1: yeah and skip the top The bottom three slots. (laughs) It's dangerous. It's dangerous.
0: No, no. It means one needs to come out, one needs to go in. Yeah. Uh, So I need to make a decision on that.
1: Well, listen, what this means, listener, is you have the chance to nominate a film to enter the top 30.
0: You do, yeah. You do have that chance, yeah. Of course, it may be by a director that we've already got, uh, in which case it's got to be better than the one that's already on the list that you don't know about.
1: Yeah. So So let us know. Let us know what not only. I mean, we want to know what you think should be number one, but obviously the one you think is going to be number one is going to be somewhere in the top thirty already, right? So try and pick the film that is not in the top thirty that should be, and let us know that one as well, okay?
0: But you don't know what the list is.
1: Yeah, but you know, you know what we might have picked. You know us, listener. Yeah, we're like the friends in your ears.
0: Yeah, we are we well we're not like them, we are them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. We are that well the, the thing that's speaking to you now is them. Yeah. But the person who's speaking into the recording device, me, is not them. See what I mean? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Yum, yeah. laughs> Nothing clean, right? Nothing clean right.
0: <laughs> yes. So I need to I need to rectify that. But anyway.
1: Cool. Well, let us know, listener.
0: I think that's it for thank you for these three. We've broken the seal
1: on the uh, the thirty best horror films of the twentieth century.
0: Yeah, and I didn't have to run away to the toilet and throw up. (laughs) Not
1: even once.
0: Not even (laughs) once. Yeah.
1: Um, So, yeah, go do some plugging.
0: Okay. So, I present a uh, movie reviews and music and local film listings and all kinds of things on. um, Glastonbury FM one hundred seven point one. Yeah, yum, yeah, yummy, um, yum, yum. On um, sorry, at six p.m. <laughs> on a Thursday, goes out live in the Somerset area. It's the Glastonbury Street and the Wells area of Somerset. <laughs> <You said>
1: wearily, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm in the Wells, 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 <laughs> down by the street, street, street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can yeah. see
1: you out of the studio window.
0: All, the, all of that. Uh, no. so yeah that goes out live on 6pm on a Thursday uh, I sometimes have a live guest in fact this week I do have a live guest who
1: is it is uh, it the mayor
0: called, it's not the mayor ok it's someone called Dean, Dean Mortlock mm-hmm. who is the editor of a magazine called The Basis that I have appeared in wow um, and he is coming on and we're going to talk about movies that we're looking forward to um, for the next six months so we're going to look sort of ahead wow well, for some highlights different. for the rest of the year. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, so, have you yes, had the mayor on?
0: I have not had the mayor on. I've, Does I've we have a mayor? We do. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, we do have a mayor. Okay. Um, but he's not chosen to come on yet? Okay. I have emailed him, but he hasn't replied. Right. So maybe he doesn't like films.
1: Well, if you listen, mayor of Glastonbury.
0: Yeah. Um, what are you waiting for?
1: Yeah. Get on it.
0: Tanto. Get on it. Jump on it. Um, uh, there are podcast highlights of that show called Movie Mashup. No camel case, no caps.
1: No camel case, no caps.
0: I'm a couple of weeks behind, so I need to get on that this week. Yeah, and get on it. Get stop, on
1: it. Stop vomiting.
0: Yeah, stop throwing up and feeling ill. And uh, edit that podcast, sucker. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I might do that this evening. Yes, you might. Uh, Although, from that's the sound it, that's- of
1: you... I think you might just fall asleep first as we.
0: You could well be right. <laughs> uh, that's that's my plugging.
1: Cool. Listener, if we sound a bit slower, maybe I'll speed up this podcast to 1.5 times speed.
0: <laughs>
1: because it's
0: so hot. It is so hot, yeah. and
1: much as I like speaking to you, listener, and I do, I also really want to take this headset off.
0: <coughs> Have you those, got a head sweat?
1: Those who've seen any of the few... Um, video episodes we did on YouTube before we gave mm. up on that, mm. um, because Google was being annoying to us and because it 's a lot of hassle we'll s- we'll have seen my massive headset <laughs> mm. it's not appropriate to this weather. Let me do some plugging and stop talking about that okay um, uh yeah, so uh something that is in in the news at the moment among. The kind of geeky people, and possibly a little bit amongst normal people, is this idea that large websites like Facebook and Twitter and Snap um, use algorithms to manipulate your behaviour. Mm. By the way, an algorithm is just a computer program; it's just a word. <laughs> anyway, it, it's <laughs> like they use like logical sequences of logic to cause things to happen on your phone screen which tend to make you do certain behaviors that they find helpful. I mean and the most obvious one is making you come back to your phone and look at it again as much mm. as possible because <clears> that's how they, they get it.
0: Yeah, they mimic the dopamine effect of you feeling good.
1: Yeah, they give you little rewards. Yes. And the reason like the primary reason they're doing that is to get you to keep on using the the app um and the reason they're getting you to use the app is because then they can get you to do other stuff right that's the, that's what's going on there so the reason why you know we're all a little bit too keen on our mobile devices is because the software on them is specifically designed to make us all a little bit too keen on our mobile mm-hmm. devices yeah um so uh, but at the same time other things are happening which are socially important like uh, there's this thing called Twitter and this thing called Facebook which people use to communicate and share ideas and so on um, and those things aren't necessarily bad things in themselves um, but I do think that it's bad that they're controlled by individual companies who are deliberately manipulating our behaviour and our thinking mm. um, so I, this is why I keep going on about Mastodon because it's a thing that's a bit like Twitter and potentially a bit like Facebook A bit certainly can be used in a way that's a bit like Instagram as well um, but it's not controlled by a single company. It doesn't have algorithms that try and manipulate your behaviour. Um, so when you follow someone, you see what they, the things they said rather than some selection of the things they said chosen by an algorithm that is designed to make you think certain things and stuff like that. Mm. So um, I, I know I've gone on about Mastodon before. This is all a great big preamble to say. Um, another part of this world, this world is growing at the moment. It's a very exciting time for... Um, uh, this kind of alternative social media that is uh, independent from large companies um, and another thing that's happened very recently is that um, this thing called Peertube has um, become popular, I think it's been around for a while but it's kind of g- gathering some momentum now and it got some funding through a crowdfunding campaign so it, it, it's called Peertube, it's a little bit like YouTube in that it has videos on it but um, similar to the way Mastodon is not controlled by one company Peertube is loads of people all, all like sharing videos together no one, no one company controls it uh, the reason why I mention it is because I've started putting my um, videos onto it, so these are videos about programming and stuff related to programming um, which have been relatively popular on YouTube um, like some of them have a few tens of thousands of views and in fact maybe more than that mm. um you know they, they're they're like slightly popular on youtube i mean not like popular popular you know but people have watched them um yeah. so by putting them on PeerTube, tube i'm hoping that i'll be a tiny little help to PeerTube tube um because i think it would be really good if um we could still have the social aspects of things like twitter and youtube as well as the kind of um, basic service they provide, like especially with YouTube, it just hosting the videos is a service that it provides. Um, but without the sort of control and manipulation that you get from companies who are making their... who need to make money from you because it, their their servers are so huge, they're like a single system. Yeah. Um, but in order to make money, they're manipulating us. Whereas we can have a system where um, people can do it either for free or they can do it with... Um, uh, types of money making that are more sustainable like donations or simple advertising that doesn't involve manipulation stuff like that um, or only involves kind of explicit manipulation as in showing you an advert yes um, so yeah peer tube check out peer tube cool you could duck duck go for peer
0: tube
1: <coughs> and you'll find like a all kinds of people uploading all kinds of crazy stuff excellent it's uh, it feels very uncontrolled compared with youtube which, which where the content is all curated for stuff that 's like what you watched before you see yes. everything
0: right okay well that's good
1: it's good and bad i mean it's obviously bad because you see a load of stuff you don't want you, you don't care about <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully you don't see anything uh violent or or unsuitable in other ways there are um there are ways of making, marking content as, like, unsuitable. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably is up to the individual person to do that rather than being controlled by someone else. But there is this social aspect. So the thing about Peertube that links it to Mastodon is it uses the same um, way of communicating that stuff has happened so that they can share information with each other, all these different sites that make up Peertube. Okay. Um, it uses the same way of doing that that Mastodon does. So actually you can subscribe to my video feeds inside a Mastodon instance. Um, and so uh, I, my videos appear just like another Mastodon user and vice versa. So um, they, There's oh, this big network of stuff um, where this huge network of independent servers that can all talk to each other and tell each other about stuff and you can subscribe to one from the other. Uh, it's very exciting. You should definitely Excellent. check it out, listener. Sorry, cool, that that's was a, such a long plug.
0: No, that's good. That's a good tip for listeners. Check out PeerTube. Re- I've just replaced the um, dodgy movie, by the way. Oh,
1: cool! Just like that. Just like that. You shouldn't say that. Now the listener won't won't let us know what they should, what we should replace it with.
0: Oh, yeah, they won't. But they oh, didn't anyway. Proved. So,
1: <laughs> well, listener, prove us wrong. <laughs> right. Sorry for the massive extra plug.
0: That's okay. Shall we sign off?
1: Let's sign off. Let's go and sit in a cool bath. Or, you know, we could do that separately. What's that? Sit in a cool bath.
0: I'm just going to stick my head out the window. Okay, is that it? That's That's it. it. (laughs) See you next time. Good night. Bye. Cheers.